You're listening to Soul Roadmap, episode 26. Welcome to Soul Roadmap Podcast. Each week, you'll hear strategies and inspiration to take action and live life better. Hi, I'm Dina Cataldo, lawyer, coach, and entrepreneur. This podcast is your roadmap to creating more success in your life, business, and relationships. Let's get started. Hi there. How are you doing today? I have a really special guest, and I can't wait to share him with you, but I have some questions I want to ask you first. How do you show up in your life every single day? Do you feel like you're at your best, that you're contributing the way that you're meant to? Do you feel like you're making the decisions and shifts that you need to make to live the life you really want? I was fortunate to hear my guest speak on an online mentors podcast, James Wedmore's Mind Your Business podcast, and I immediately resonated with what he had to say. I joined my guest's transformational coaching, and I've made bigger leaps of faith in my life this year than I have in quite some time. I talk more about what I've learned from him in the podcast today. I want to say this, every single one of us needs a coach. Having someone draw out your thoughts with questions and really hear the words you're using is transformational. A coach can act as a mirror and allow you to see where you may be holding yourself back, where your thoughts aren't serving you, as well as other blind spots in your life. Bringing light to these areas is necessary to make positive change. That's why I'm so lit up by the opportunity to coach people in my own business. This episode is really more of a coaching session than an interview, as you'll soon hear. (laughs) You'll get insight into how my brain works, and you'll likely hear some things that will resonate with you. All right, let's talk about my very special guest. My guest today is Jim Fortin, and he's a big deal. He's creator of both the transformational coaching program I went through and the Sales Psychology Academy. He works with high achievers, including a lot of entrepreneurs. James Wedmore credits Jim with taking his whole life and business to the next level, and he was already doing pretty darn good. In this episode, we just scratch the surface of what Jim teaches, and every minute is worth your time. Be sure to go to the show notes for this episode at dinacataldo.com forward slash 26 because there I'm sharing where you can get your hands on a free training Jim offers that will help you create big shifts. We'll talk a little more about it in today's podcast. Okay, let's dive in. Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for the invite today. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Sure. And I've talked a little bit in the intro about how I learned of you through James Wedmore mm-hmm. and how much I've learned from you and you know going through your programs. And I was hoping that you could come in and introduce yourself and let people know who you are. Okay. I could do that. But why don't you start from your perspective and then I'll actually build on that. Maybe it's better instead of I just getting a laundry list, maybe it's better or would serve people for you to tell them your experience of what you did with me. And then I can come back in with the resume because they don't care about the resume. They care about (laughs) obviously watching this. They care about what's going to be in it for them. So maybe you can share some of the takeaways you've had with me and then we'll go from there. So you can already hear if you're listening that Jim's my coach and (laughs) that he just really helped me walk through some things. So I will share some of that. That's a great place to start. So 
basically, when I started taking Jim's program, he breaks down concepts that I never really took the time to break down before. And it all made a lot of sense. And in particular, what I recognized that I was not doing is I was not showing up in the way that I wanted to in my life. So for instance, Things like making sure that I am committed to what I want to do and am having integrity with myself in anything that I say that I'm doing. So whether it's going to yoga regularly to make sure that I'm healthy or to commit to working on the online program you and I were talking about before we got started that I'm launching in March, those kinds of things I never really thought about the foundation that needed to be laid for me to move forward, to focus on my health, to focus on my business. And you really laid out the foundation for that in your program Mm -hmm. and having the opportunity to hear you talk about that and the logical level. When you said the foundation, people watching or listening are probably already wondering at home, well, what does that mean? What does that mean to you being an attorney and the way that you applied it, the foundation of your life in what way? So for a very long time, I recognized that I wasn't working from, it's going to sound kind of funny, but like working from a heart center. It was very much working from doing and achieving, making sure that I was always doing the next thing I needed to do in my career, making sure that I was always on top of things, whether or not it was a trial or how many hours I had to put in the office so I wouldn't think that I would be overwhelmed in the future. However, (laughs) recognizing that all that doing doesn't actually lead to feeling less overwhelmed, it just makes me feel like I might have control of that feeling. So let's go here. Even though you're the one interviewing me, I've got some questions and I know they're wanting this. Is where did all of that, because I'm sure it's prevalent in the legal industry, where did all that lead you to in your health? Sure. So I had breast cancer and I was 29 years old. I was working, you know, 50 to 70 hours a week on the trial teams at my office. And it wasn't just me who had cancer. There were a couple other gals who were in the same class who had cancer. And I was very fortunate and I was able to beat it. And that was not the case for the other two young women that I worked with. And so I very much associated all of the intensity, all of that stress and that feeling with working those long hours, but not just working the hours. I mean, I can work all day long and I love working, but the way that I thought about things was not meshing with what I was doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And let me add here. So you asked me to introduce myself. So here's a great place to let people know what I do is, as you know, I teach subconscious persuasion, influence, and transformation. I help people transform their lives from the inside out. It's not rah-rah motivation and all that kind of stuff. It's literally shifting who we are at a core level. I coach very high-performing people, people that make millions of dollars a year. I used to live in New York City. I've coached movie stars and Olympic athletes and you know CEOs of major companies. And what I want everyone to hear, and the reason I went this direction with it, is I believe many professions, and especially the legal profession, I don't believe I observe, are full of people that get engaged in a profession and the profession owns them. And what happens as a result of that is they give up pretty much their entire life for the job. And I saw that on Wall Street a lot because I used to work with a lot of Wall Streeters. And then they wonder why they're not happy and why they're sick and why they have health issues and why they're drinking all day long and why they're gambling. Because these are all things for many people to relieve stress or some escape. And I've seen people do it. I've seen people be at the office at seven in the morning till nine at night, five days a week, if not even more than that. 
When I used to live in New York City, I would see Wall Street people say, honey, take the kids, go to our house in the Hamptons that I earned and it's paid for, but I can't go because I have to work this weekend. And I've seen a lot of that over the years. And I'm going to tell you invariably, this matriculates for a lot of people because the number one cause of disease is stress. So this matriculates for a lot of people into sickness. And then what they're doing is they're trading their health and wellness for some career that pays them a paycheck. And I see a lot of people in your particular industry because it's also an industry where you have to perform, right? Right. I was just talking today. One of my good friends is Dean at a very prominent law school here in the U.S. And I was just talking to him today. He's been Dean of this law school for about 10 years now. And he used to be a partner at a major, major, one of the biggest law firms in the country. Not to go too far off tangent, but to bring it back home, as he was laughing many years ago at new lawyers, because new lawyers go to law school and they think they get to practice law and they better get out and get billable hours right? And it becomes a business. These people don't even have the skills because they're not business people because they're lawyers. And he's like, well, why do you think we hire them at 120 a year in Dallas? And this is 10 years ago, probably 175, 200 now. And from the second they get out of law school, they're not practicing law. They're paying off their student loans and they're extremely stressful. Literally, these kids are starting careers. And I mean careers that own them for 50 years after that, from 25 to 75. So hopefully by me saying this, people that are listening and watching this are understanding because what they say is, oh, no, I can't take care of myself. I can't meditate. I can't do that because you don't understand. I'm too busy. I have to show up at work and I have to make money. So let me trade my health and my wellness and my family for my career. Right. You see that and that's why we're talking, right? Right. That's exactly why I came to you. And these people are fooling themselves. They are literally fooling themselves because they are literally, I mean, I don't know a better way to put it. They are sacrificing their life for some kind of social position. Whereas I'm not trying to talk anybody out of being a lawyer. We mentioned the name earlier, somebody that you know, you're going to their event in January. That guy's a 35-year-old kid and he makes 10 million a year. Right. And you and I both know he took 13 vacations last year. (laughs) Yeah, he's some great pictures of those vacations. You don't make that kind of money being a lawyer, taking 13 vacations a year. No, you don't. And so we need lawyers, obviously, right? I mean, you know what? You don't like them when they're working against you, but when you need them, a lawyer's your best friend. You know, I found that out before. It's like a lawyer can be like a great buddy. However, these people just sacrifice their lives. So in our work together, let's talk about where you want to go with the foundation that I just laid and your experience with me. I don't mean to dominate your call, but I'm just familiar because it's Wall Street and I've seen this so many years. You know what? I totally want you to take this where you feel it needs to go because working with you, I know very much that you are dialed in to a lot of what people need. So, But they don't think they do. (laughs) Right. So where I would like to go simply because I know a lot of the people listening are lawyers and they love what they do. Like they feel like they make a difference, Mm -hmm. but they do feel that their life is dominated by their work. And I would like to give them some stepping stones for them to take and open their mind to possibilities, how they can incorporate some of the concepts that you talk about into their legal practice. So in other words, they can lay the foundation for creating the life that they want while understanding the realities of their legal career. Does that make sense? You use a very interesting choice of words, and that is reality of their career. Because each person's reality of their career is going to be based upon their interpretations, their beliefs, their model of the world about what reality is. So you can see some people 
that are lawyers and they're doing what you're doing. They're saying, this is a broken system over here and the way that it matriculates into people's health. I mean, for you, it matriculated into cancer. Other people can see it as just a treadmill and they go to work every day. And then people get trapped in the system of have to, meaning they get married or partners or whatever. They adopt kids. They have kids. Now they're making two, three, four, five hundred thousand a year, whatever it is. And they get the home and the Mercedes and everything else and the ballet lessons and the soccer lessons and all that. Now they're trapped in the system, so to speak, because now they have to go to work to pay for all that stuff, right? Yes. And then they don't have a secondary, even though the cobbler with no shoes, they advise people many times on wealth and taxes and all that. They're not doing it themselves. So then what they're doing is they're trapped in their own system of trading their life for a paycheck. So it's interesting that you bring up the word reality because I posted something last night. I think it's going to be one of my first podcast episodes. You know, I'm launching a podcast. Yes, I definitely want to get into that. I'm going to tell you what's prevalent in your industry is I have to. I have to go to work. I have to work 70 hours a week. And last night, I pulled out pen and paper and started writing down my first six podcast titles and what I wanted the podcast to be. And one of the very first podcasts, maybe two or three is, and this will be alien to many lawyers and it's power when they get it, is that so many people are trapped in the profession, but I'm going to title this podcast, Freedom is Actually Mental. It's a mental state of mind. Oh, yeah. But people think that it's not mental. They think they have no freedom because then they get trapped in the system with the bills and the cars and the work and the billable hours. And I'm going to climb up to be junior partner and then partner and everything else. And they think they have no freedom. Then they get into the have to lifetime. And then what they become without recognizing it is they become victims to their profession. Yeah. Does it make sense? I mean, I'm not in your profession. I just coach at many, many kinds of industries and companies. No, that's definitely something that I want to speak to. And one of the things that I want to make sure that everyone hears is that this isn't like a one and done thing. It's not like, boom, you, you're done. And one of the things that you told me that stuck with me was you have to stay in the material and just make sure that you are listening to those things that serve you and are guiding you in the right direction. Yeah, I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago, and it was actually a 60th anniversary fraternity college reunion. And I met some people that there were people from 80 years old there to 17 year, 18 year old kids that are, you know, first year in college in the fraternity. There was this guy, and he lives not too far from me, actually. And he said that he went from being a practicing attorney at a firm to advising clients, like customer relations or something. And I forgot what exactly what it was, but his point was he makes the same amount of money without being a litigator and it removed all the stress from his life. Mm. So you get that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because being a litigator and being a corporate litigator, there's so much money on the line that people are fighting for that my days were constant stress. Oh, I think what he does now is he advises the new lawyers coming in. Now, where I want to go with this with you is that so many people actually might love the law or the profession but they're trapped in the profession proper. Now, you're starting to break out of that and that you're like, you know what? I understand legalese. I understand how to talk to all you guys. But unlike you guys, I'm getting off the hamster wheel and I'm going to teach you guys how to do it as well or how to show up in a different way in the profession. Right. Now, you're in California and back in the 1840s or whatever decade it was with the California gold rush. And I'm talking to all lawyers right now, everyone listening, okay? Who made the most amount of money in the gold rush? Ooh, good question. I'm going to say that it was somebody who had to deal with the deeds. Typical lawyer thought. (laughs) No, no. It was the people who sold the picks and shovels, not the people who bought them the prospect for gold. Okay. And so what I'm sharing with you and everyone else is you may remember in the coaching program you're in, David is a surgeon. And that's the same industry. You have to climb and politics and everything else. And he goes, you know what? Because of insurance and all the regulations and everything's changing, 
I'm going to teach MDs and doctors and surgeons how to be healthy and have a healthy life outside and aside and as an addendum to their profession, because they're all caught in their profession also. And this is people in many industries with their head down and they're on the hamster wheel running every single day. And then you said earlier, which matriculated for you into at least your belief and quite possibly because 90% of all illness is caused by stress. And we know this medically. And I'm going to tell you, you're in a, and people watching and listening are in a very stressful career. And mainly it's about performance because if you don't perform, then guess what? Someone else is going to get your corner office and going to get your piece of the pie at the firm, right? Right. Let me lead you here a little bit. Of all of our time together in your past 10 years, if I said distill it down to one piece of advice, you can only pick one, what would be the biggest piece of advice that you could give to an attorney right now that's on that treadmill that you used to be on? That you have the power. You're the one holding the wheel in which direction you want to go. That's interesting. I didn't know what you were going to say. <laughs> and it's interesting that so many people in our culture and around the world, I mean, it's just universal, unless you're in like Spain or somewhere where they eat at midnight or something, and it's just a slower culture, but people have no power in their work and they have no power in their job or their career. And they get into the have to, I have to go to work. And at that point, you're a victim to the haves and your life's a hamster wheel at that point. So now for people watching and listening, how do we get them out of that? Well, from my experience, it was starting to teach myself to think in different ways. What would be those ways? Give us some examples. The first one is, is I had to do things completely differently, but my life was going topsy-turvy and anyone who hits that breaking point, they're going to feel out of control. And that actually, I think, is a really good sign because that means there's an opportunity to grow. Correct. We don't learn when we know something. We learn in confusion, actually. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. So let's just kind of keep going with this. I think it's working for people that may be watching or listening. Did you go into fear? No, it wasn't fear. It was very much, okay, what do I have to do next? Clearly, I'm not doing something right. So I think I went into blame. So I think I blamed myself. That was my first reaction. Notice what you said also. And this is kind of like a coaching session for you as well. Yeah, this is great. Are getting this as well. And by the way, what I'm sharing with you is kind of like pervasive. I mean, it happens with the professionals. I thought or I was thinking that I wasn't doing something right. Mm -hmm. When we get into right and wrong thinking, we then get into doubt. You can't get into doubt if you don't think you're going to do it right or wrong. You just go do it. But then when we actually get into right or wrong thinking, and you've heard me say before, and this may be really good for people watching and listening, and a lawyer would argue this because the law is about obviously somebody being right and somebody being wrong. Sure. In life, there is no right or wrong and that everything is just as we charge it. I mean, we have civil law and, and criminal law and stuff like that. So there is a right or a wrong and a black or white. But when you go to a bigger context, like even looking at a lawyer, it's not good or bad or right or wrong that a person even decides to be a lawyer. They just decide to do that. Are you with me? Yes. And I think one of the most powerful things is to align with what you're saying is, and let's dig into that, as you said, I have to think differently, is to letting go of whatever rigidity of thinking they have, which is what keeps them trapped. And then they wonder why they're sick or not happy or what is. So what way did you shift? My big shift was starting to do things I was scared of. I had a friend who recommended yoga. And so I had been resisting going to yoga for quite some time. And then when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I thought, well, what do I have to lose? I mean, I'm right. clearly not doing anything right. Like I got to do something. But when I tried that, I hated it, but I kept going. There was something I was getting from it that kept me going 
and that kind of chipped away at me. Yeah. I feel like I had built up so many walls. And one of the things that happened to me during my treatment was an opportunity for me to create some really great friendships and one in particular that I hadn't fostered before because I had created these walls. I needed to be able to do everything on my own, not asking for help. I can do this. I can power through. And those were things that I had to unlearn Mm -hmm. and to learn these new skills. Okay. So let me take this a step further. So before we put this in record, you said that you have to watch the languaging that you use with lawyers, which is rigidity of thinking. So if I told a lawyer, you know what, because there's medical research on this, that meditation really does actually help us heal because it affects our brainwave states. And there's a certain brainwave state that we go into where the body starts regenerating itself and healing itself naturally. I didn't say this earlier, but let me share with you why the profession is resistant to maybe even things like meditation. One of the reasons is because the industry is a predominant and dominated by the left brain, which is the analytical mind. Let me analyze everything and tear it apart 72 different ways and argue for it, as opposed to just saying, you know what, which you did. Actually, you were forced to do something different. Yes. External, something going on in your life and internal, something you were feeling. So people also, if they're not forced to do it, they don't look. Yet, if they would get out of that analysis, which is left brain dominance, and just step back and say, well, what am I really doing? Do I really have to go to work every day? Do I have to work at this firm? Do I have to work 70 hours a week? Do I have to be a junior partner? Do I have to be a senior partner? And they're so trapped in that analytical part of the brain. And it's just step one, step two, step three, step four. They don't even question what's going on. You know, it's so interesting because in my profession, I'm a criminal prosecutor and there are certain levels that you go through. You reach a certain point in your career and you're expected to go to this next level and this next level. And the way to do that is to go through trials and, you know, you just work, 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 which is great. I love working. I love working. But there is a very big difference between what I'm doing right now as a criminal prosecutor, which is working in a settlement conference unit, and I can you know, work 50 hours a week, and it is not as all-encompassing as when I'm in a trial position. And people wonder why I don't want to be a trial attorney. They're like, oh, when are you going to go back to trials? When are you going to go back to trials? They're always asking me when I'm going to go back. I'm like, I'm okay right now. Thank you. And they expect me to want to do more in the office that is of a trial nature, because that is what we've all taught ourselves is the primo, premier position is to be trying trials constantly because you're a trial dog and you you know, want to get ahead and you want to make a name for yourself. Those are things I had to give up. Those are things that I had to say, you know what, that's not the direction I want to go. It doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. And let me add something here. So this will be a little coaching for you to assist you, but they're going to get it vicariously. And we're going to go a little woo-woo, but back it up with science. Okay. Because this is where some lawyers be watching this and go, well, no, no, blah, blah, blah. We're going to use physics to back it up. What kind of energy do you think exists in the profession overall? You'll know where to go with this and we'll break it down for them. The kind of energy overall is very controlling in nature, Mm -hmm. um, very forceful very domineering. Right, wrong. Let me win. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's no in between. Let me tear that person down. Let me discredit that person. Whatever that you need to do, whether it be civil or criminal, whatever you need to do to win the case, it's really about winning a case. Right. And especially, you know, criminal, obviously somebody goes to jail, somebody doesn't. 
And then civil, somebody makes a lot of money, loses money, whatever. Somebody pays out a lot of money. Now, some people watch and are like, what do you mean energy? Well, thought is energy. And I had mentioned to you and others and all the lawyers here, the analytical ones, because they can take all this apart, the double slit experiment that I had mentioned. And the outcome of that physics experiment is that what happens in this physics experiment, what they discovered is that the outcome of the experiment was determined by the observation of the person observing the experiment. Now, that's science. If you want to look it up, it's double slit experiment. I'll link to it in the show notes. And the easiest video to watch is one that's called Dr. Science or something. It's an animated one. And the last 15 seconds of the video that he explains it, but the last 15 seconds is where he knocks it out of the park. And he talks about where the observer, meaning the scientist watching the experiment, collapsed the wave into the particle, meaning the observer determined by their where they were holding their thinking what was going to happen in the experiment. Now. Let's go a little further off here, off the charts. So hopefully we still have some people here. <laughs> I'm sure we do. Many years ago, when, you know, I'm a hypnotist, well, I'm not anymore, but a hypnotherapist. And we used to teach hypnosis in, when I lived in New York City, and we had the lobby where you walk in, and then we had the training room, which we'd do all the training. And in the training room, we'd do a whole lot of emotional release during the weekend. Things like uh, just letting go of, of people who were raped and abused and all this and doing hypnosis and, and releasing that in hypnosis, which by the way, for those of you that you know, obviously are very left brain, people don't know that hypnosis is endorsed and it's a natural form of healing, but it's endorsed by Harvard, Stanford, Yale, Columbia, the Mayo Clinic, the National Institute of Health. I mean, it's endorsed and its efficacy has been proven over and over and over again for healing. Now, I worked at the Hypnosis Institute and the man who ran it and his wife, every time we would teach, should bring in two big bouquets of flowers and should put one in the lobby where people would register and just come in and check in. And then one in the training room where all the emotional work was being done. And one weekend we noticed that we would start training on Friday afternoon. We were done Sunday evening. There may be other variables. We have some very analytical people here, but we noticed over and over because we watched this for a while that all the flowers, we can take all the variables out. Like even though they were both bought at the same time, the same place out of the same bucket, maybe they came from different fields, but they look the same, right? So there's variables. So we watch this over time. The flowers that were in the lobby were always alive and thriving on Sunday evening. And the ones that were in the room where we did all the emotional release work were dying significantly. So let's go back to double slit experiment. And what that experiment implies and I mean, it's physics, is that everything is energy. Now, we lawyers, we have an EEG and an EKG. And that means you're an electrical body. So if somebody were to have a heart attack and they were unconscious, the paramedics are going to defibrillate. They're going to shock them, right? Right. We're energy beings. And thought is energy. So then I look at, which I had no idea this would go here in our time together, but this is vital, is what kind of energy is just in the office and in the profession and in the courtroom also? because that affects us emotionally. And let me bring it home to people viscerally, and you can relate to this. Have you ever just met somebody, like we just meet them, and you're like, well, I don't know, there's just something I feel about. They're, we use the word vibe, right? Yeah. This person has a great vibe, or this person not so much a great vibe, and we feel it in seconds with people. So what do you think is in a murder trial? or some trial that they're fighting for hundreds of millions of dollars and win and lose and improprieties and all this kind of stuff. What kind of energy do you think the attorneys are rolling in all day long? I mean, this is not Girl Scout USA when you go to a courtroom, you know? This is something that I want to spread the word out about this because it's so easy to neglect ourselves and mm -hmm. not understand the impact that 
our work can have on us when we're dealing with murderers. And even, you know, I'm currently in a position where I'm dealing with misdemeanor crimes in a settlement conference unit, but I see people doing horrible things to themselves and other people every single day. And it impacts me. Yeah, It impacts me. It frustrates me. All these different words I could use, but I have to continually refocus. And that's why staying in the material is such a big deal for me to refocus my thoughts and to try to push back some of that energy. Does that make Let's help people here because you're a leader for them. All right. So we've got a bunch of analytical people watching and they're probably and may not be familiar. So what are things that we could do or you could help people do and you could suggest, and I suggest you step up and tell them because you've been there that would mitigate the nine to five or the seven, this whatever day they live in, in that energy, in that field. What is something we could do as a human being to mitigate that? For me, what I do is I make sure that I am constantly listening to something like, I can't wait till your podcast comes out. I'll be listening to that for sure. Listening to something that serves me, making sure that I am filtering things out that don't like the news. I don't go to internet websites as often as I used to. And when I notice myself doing it, I shut it down. I put things on my monitor, like little, you could call them mantras, you could call them affirmations, whatever you want to call them that remind me of those things that are most important to me. And one of the things that's most important to me to remind myself is that we create what we feel at all times. Mm -hmm. So with every thought we have, we're creating a feeling. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things I go to over and over again. So if I'm recognizing that I'm feeling a little more tense or that I'm starting to use words that like I'm complaining about something. Mm -hmm. Then I take a step back and I ask myself, what am I thinking right now? Because I'm creating these feelings of being tense, being overwhelmed. What am I thinking that's leading me to that particular feeling? And then recognizing I have the power to change that thought. Yeah. So what you're talking about is what I call uh, managing your emotional states. Right. And so I, I want to add here, you didn't go there, so I don't, I'm not sure if there's a reason for that, but there are other things that they can do. Like, for example, and there's a reason, there's science and mathematics behind this. There's a reason that people still listen to Mozart, but there are groups like the Beastie Boys that very few people listen to. Music affects us in terms of physics, mathematics, and vibration, because we live in a world of hertz and magnetics and vibration. Not an opinion, that's science, okay? So music is mathematics. We can use music, things like Mozart. <sighs> slow us down. Because every one of you listening, and I know that you know this, once we change our emotional states, that changes our physiological states. Once we change what happens in the mind, that starts changing what's happening in the body. But most people are like this in your profession, <clears throat> overdrive 24-7, <laughs> right? True. And they're wound up what I call tighter than a Swiss clock. <clears throat> Their life is like that. But people don't recognize, and there's so much medical research behind this, this is why people get ill, because even having that mental thought process creates biochemical reactions in the body. And it's basically like somebody being caught or having just like adrenaline drip all day long, every day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. You're going to affect the body in very negative ways like that. So we can go here also. And I think, and I would encourage you that you can be a leader for this in your profession. And you're already starting by doing this is you talk to them about things that no one else is talking to them about. And that's what we're talking about here. And you know what? Go to yoga and make time to go to yoga three times a week or do something, the hot tub or the infrared sauna or the meditation or the self-hypnosis or the biofeedback or whatever it is, something to heal the mind. Because as you know, when we do that, 
now we have more power. Yes. And that's something that I have been doing more of and that, you know, I talk to people on social media about, which is doing things like the float tank and the infrared sauna, which are amazing. I mean, to have that time to yourself, which, you know, our brains are constantly moving. Like our brains naturally want to fix things, solve things. They're thinking about all kinds of things. But if we have that opportunity, you know, to just take a step back and do those things that allow us to do that, you feel the difference. And you've heard me say in all of our time together, which I think we've been together about six months because you're in a group program, but I know you've been with me for a while. You hear me always say two words that will be so alien to your profession because that's what your profession does. But you hear me often say, stop thinking. (laughs) Yes, I love that. (laughs) Stop. Just get out of your head and just turn that off for 10 minutes because it's just think, 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 analyze, think, 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 think. So what happens is, and this is brain-based, this is not psychological, this is the brain, is our brains are like a cell phone battery. And when you charge your battery and you get up and you go to work, you only have so much energy stored in the battery, right? right? Well, the more you use the phone, the more you run the battery down. End of the day, you have no battery, you have no phone. And this is what happens when we're in think overdrive. Mark Zuckerberg and Barack Obama both did this. Mark Zuckerberg wears the same thing every single day, great t-shirt and a hoodie. Why? Because it eliminates what's called decision fatigue, which if you've got to make, and Obama said, you know what? I've got enough decisions to make all day long. I don't need to be focusing on what I'm going to wear today. I guess Michelle Obama picked it off for him. I don't know. But the thing is, lawyers, listen to me. Litigators, counselors, listen to me. The more that you run the brain, you run that battery down. And this is why, to see it in society, this is why you see women that have three kids and they're a single mother and they're working two jobs. And we wonder, well, how come they can't get out of that cycle? What they do is that battery runs all day long from the second she's up at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. till the kids go to bed at 8. Now she's got 30 minutes to get ready for tomorrow, whatever. So what happens is she gets up, goes all day long, runs the battery down. End of the day, there's no battery. She goes to bed, recharges, the battery's full again, and she runs it down. There's no time to get out of that cycle neurologically. Yes. This is brain-based. That's something that I have been focusing on since I've been starting this path and trying to share with people, which is to create that time for yourself to even figure out what you want. And for me, I hated waking up in the mornings. Like that was something that I just didn't do. I'd jump out of bed and like, all right, I'm gonna take a shower and go to work. And I recognized I didn't like how I felt when I did that. So I took a step back and I said, okay, well, I'm going to wake up earlier. And I now I wake up at 4.30 in the morning. So I don't know, that's like crazy for some people, but <laughs> I yeah. need that time. And that's the time for my brain to kind of come into the world and figure out, okay, where am I going today? How do I want to show up in the world? What do I want to do with the time that I have here? And where am I taking this? What am I doing? Do I feel good about what I'm doing? And I don't have the opportunity always to take that time to stop in the middle of my day. So I have to set that intention in the morning and just help me carry it through the day. Yeah. You know, in your industry, this is going to be a bit alien to your industry, but your industry is rewarded for getting into one of the biggest of human limitations. And you get rewarded the more you get into the limitation. Your industry is rewarded for being analytical and for thinking critically, right? Yeah. Now here, you've heard me say this before, is let's go a little Zen here, is that in Zen, they say that the music is made in the space between the notes, which is the silence. But your industry is rewarded for the massive turbo overdrive on steroids. Think, analyze, think, analyze. 
That's the smallest part of our brain function anyways, analytical thought, because 95% of our thought process is unconscious. So people are using the smallest part of their thought process to dominate all this internal wisdom that can actually come through them if they get quiet and listen. And this is why meditation is so important. But the industry in itself rewards you because see, if you can think and you've got critical analytical thinking skills, and guess what? Then you can go to Harvard Law School and then you can be like a top tier lawyer and you're recruited by the top firms and you're rewarded for all that analysis when in fact that analysis is the smallest part of your mental function. Yeah. And it's prevalent to the industry because of the nature of the industry. So I think what we want to tell people to do here, and I think, I don't think, my observation is that the industry really, really needs it because I haven't seen any research, but I would wonder if you could ever even do it, what would be the health and wellness rates? And there's so many ways to qualify that. Got to remember again, I'm talking to lawyers because they're going to take this <laughs> Yeah. You know, my brain goes there. Like that's exactly where yeah, my exactly. Brain. Well, how would you measure that? And, <laughs> and seven times. And let me analyze that in the morning also. I'm wondering though, if you can, there is some way to look at the health and wellness rates in the industry as opposed to other industries where people just aren't mentally predisposed like you are in, in your industry. I don't know what that answer would be, but I've done this a long time and I'd have to guess there's high incidence of alcoholism oh, yeah. divorce, and external life things in your industry because of what the industry creates. Oh, yeah. And lawyers, you know, obviously, we're not the only ones. There are people who are in very intense jobs, you know, if you're in law enforcement or any kind of helping profession, like if you're a doctor, those are all professions where there's a high expectation of performance. You have life and death decisions on the line. You have to think through those physical problems that are happening at that moment in a very quick fashion, and it has to make sense. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a lawyer problem. I think this is a people issue. Yeah. Let me add something here for lawyers, and they may not get this, but you've known me for a while, and you know, you're in a coaching program of mine, and you've watched me coach people. When I get my most brilliant coaching, where I get the biggest shifts in people, is when I'm not thinking. And I'm like, just get quiet for a second. Boom. Let me see what pops in my mind. And I would dare to say, is that a lawyer, if they learn to take that nanosecond stop in their thinking and learned in that space to ask for the internal guidance, that's when what's called the sixth sense shows up. And it would be more valuable to lawyers because it could win more trials by using a higher sense to tap in. You know, that's so interesting because when you're in trial, you're in the zone, right? And when you're doing a closing argument, that's the moment when you're taught to really get quiet. And the way it's taught is it creates a sense of focus on me. Mm -hmm. And it also creates that little bit of drama like, okay, you're focusing on me and now I can begin. I'm in control of this. But at the same time, when an attorney really harnesses that in their closing argument and gets really quiet with themselves intentionally, which is what I would do when I was doing my trials um, in the last few years, I noticed that it was much easier for me to address things in the moment. And I know that there's a lot of great attorneys out there who do harness that. They recognize that they're in the moment and they can respond to things in a way that they wouldn't be able to do if they were just intense and in like fighter dog mode <laughs> the whole time. Well, have you noticed that in that space, sometimes even you're arguing and you get quiet in that little bitty space and something pops in your mind and you're like, boom, where did that come from? That's really good. Oh, yeah. Right? That's great. <laughs> it comes from that space. That's the space where the higher sense 
And you've seen me do this. You've seen me when I'm coaching somebody and I've got somebody in a hot seat and they'll say, can you repeat what you just said? And I'm like, I don't know what I I just said. (laughs) In that space and boom, it just comes through me. For you attorneys, consider that. That is where the unconscious mind brings you. It brings you information. It brings you whatever you need because everyone watching right now, no one is aware of the pressure of your big toe in your shoe until I bring it to your awareness. Now you're like, oh, I have a big toe. But the unconscious mind takes everything around you and records everything like an HD video recorder. But you know what? Your analytical mind can't hear it when your analytical mind is like a screaming kid, chatter, 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 chatter. But you get quiet, boom, that comes right from the subconscious to the conscious. You're like, where did that come from? It's your unconscious mind bringing that to you in that silence. But I also want to add is that that silence is also where we heal because that is a brainwave state. And we go through different brainwave states. Let's talk about health and wellness. When you just get quiet, like I've taught you, I don't know if you've used it. Have you used the self-hypnosis? Oh, yes. You ever notice that when you use it, it's like, I don't want to stop this. It's so peaceful because the mind just goes like that picture you always see of the cool drop of water and just a little ripple. That's what happens when you go into that state. And that is a very peaceful state, but it's a healing state. But for you attorneys that want to use this to get ahead, it's also the state where you can access information and you can use it to call like higher sense information into your conscious awareness as you're even arguing a case. So that's how they can use it. And that can come from meditation. So that would be the step that they would need to get quiet with themselves and they'd need to just try it. It's not going to hurt you. It's actually going to help you. And here's (laughs) what most lawyers are going to say. And I've heard this all the time. I can't quiet my mind. Well, you know what? It takes practice. Because you've spent years overthinking, 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 over times a thousand. So it's not going to happen for most people unless you practice it. Something else they can use, though, is technology. I know you've heard me mention before binaural beats. Yes. And these are scientific. They entrain with the brain, which means they get in sync with brain waves and they can relax us. So let's say, for example, you say you want to meditate, but you're like, I just can't quiet my mind. Well, get online and just Google meditation, binaural beats. You can even go to YouTube and just listen to this stuff for free. These are brain-based. will literally help people slow down their minds. And here's the thing. As you know, once you learn to slow down the mind, it becomes like a drug. I mean, because it feels so, and I've never done ever any heavy drugs, but it slows the mind. And that is peace. And then as you know, I've told you before, is that you can't do anything without peace of mind. And peace is the most powerful place that we can work from. Yeah. I notice when I am not in that place of peace. It is the tension in the shoulders. It is not feeling grounded. And I don't like that feeling. It doesn't feel good. Like When you have the opportunity to feel as good as you can through meditation and feeling like you're not overanalyzing all the time and you're, you know, I keep using the word being present, but that's the way that I would describe it is having that opportunity to just, hey, I'm just paying attention to what's happening right in front of me. There's something to that that really vibes with how I think our bodies are supposed to feel. You are absolutely correct. And that's a much bigger subject we can't go into. But let me ask you, (laughs) it would take a lot of time. But that's hertz, H-E-R-T-Z, because our bodies go to a certain hertz. The earth has a certain hertz. And when we start resonating in the same hertz as the earth, that is like sublime. It's like the golden mean, mathematic-wise. I mean, there's an equation to it. Let me add something here. So we do a lot of really busy people. And they may be thinking, well, you know what? I don't have time for this. As you know, I told you about an audio called Learn Instant Self-Hypnosis, where you can go into just peaceful relaxation in a matter of literally 10 seconds. For all of you guys that are running around and you're crazy and your life is frantic all day, oh, all day long, 
you can literally go into these states, literally takes you 10 seconds to condition your mind and your body. Boom, drop right down in the relaxation. <sighs> Stay there one minute, two minutes. Stay there for a minute or two and then bring yourself back out of it. And here's the thing. A lot of people in the industry are probably sleep deprived. There's been research on this that, and I have to go back and find it. So do not hold me to this, but I've done this a lot of years so I can just tell you from experience. But I, I read an article one time. It was a credible article back before we had fake news. And I'm <laughs> kidding, but it was, it was a credible source. Like it was like the BBC or something. But medical research said that one hour in hypnosis is equal to eight hours of sleep time because it just takes the entire system offline. So lawyers, if they want to learn just something as simple as that, learning how to just drop right down in, in the self-hypnosis for just a minute or two, that helps the body regenerate and let go of this tension and this, all these things that people carry. That would be an invaluable tool. I'm going to add that to the show notes too. I think that's something that I know that I've received a lot of benefit from. And when I was doing it consistently, I noticed that difference. Because you can unplug at will. You can, yeah. you can unplug on command. You can do it during your lunch break, you know, before you work on your next project, whatever it is you're doing, just take a few moments to get recalibrated and then go into it. So how do people walk out for a recess and they're on a trial, a high pressure trial, and the judge has a 15 minute recess? You can literally recharge in five minutes of that 15 minutes as opposed to being wired for that 15 minutes and going back in again. Yes. If you're not running to make a call for a witness or something right. <laughs> like right. that, but yes. I get very high energy when I'm in trial. So I feel like I have to release a lot of it. So I jump up and down. You know, I don't care what the defense counsel thinks, whatever. I'm like shaking out energy. That's true. I get re-centered. You watch healers and one of the healers that I work with, he shakes out his energy like that. He shakes it out. So we've got a few more minutes. Is there anything else you want them to know tonight? I want them to know where they can learn more about you and where they can learn more techniques from you. And I want to know more about your podcast. Okay. So a couple of things. Uh, the best place for either for anyone to find me is jimforton.com, my name. So you can put the link there. You know, one of the best things that everybody, I don't care who you are listening, one of the best things that you can do, every one of you, is you're going to know immediately when I say this, is that I am not my thoughts. I am the thinker of my thoughts. And being the thinker of my thoughts, I can move my attention, which is what we call the master thought formula. And you can actually download it. I, I think you can download it. I know you have full access. It's about a 90-minute video training on how to literally step out of your thoughts from your thoughts controlling you to you being the master of your thoughts. That's one of the most valuable things every single person right now watching or listening can do. And then the podcast, you can actually go to jimforton.com and there'll be a link there for the podcast, which should be up in the next couple of weeks. We have not put any content up yet. Um, that's called obviously the modern shaman transform your life from the inside out. And it's all more ancient wisdom couple of science, but it's more about ways to stop letting the external world control us. And we start co-creating from the inside out, not the outside in, which is where 99% of people live from. Is there a place on that podcast page that I can link them to so that they get updates from you when the podcast comes out? Yeah. Once they actually, if they just actually opt in for the master thought formula, which I'm sure you can tell them is no oh charge. Oh my gosh. It was great. It's well worth your 90 minutes to learn. And people have said that one training has transformed my life. No question, because we stopped being controlled by our thoughts. And I'll teach you how to do that in that training. But what we'll do is once we launch the podcast in a week, two weeks, 10 days, whatever, if you've opted in for that program, Obviously, it'll be my email list. We'll let people know that the podcast is live. Here's where to go find it. And then obviously, every week we put up a new podcast, we'll actually let people know. So that's the easiest way. I'm really excited about your podcast. I need some new, great stuff in my podcast feed so I can listen to it on the way to work. 
Well, it's going to be actually more ancient wisdom tied with practical application. It's not like ancient wisdom's Zen sitting on a hill. How you can take this and tie this into everyday practical use, whether you're a surgeon or a lawyer or Wall Street or whatever, it's going to be for people that they can take it right away and start applying to start transforming their lives. I have to say that one of the reasons I resonated with you so much is because you do have those practical applications and the way you speak is in a very linear way. So it makes sense for my brain to go from point A to point B, that analytical brain. Yeah. So, so very much helps guide me along. Yeah. As you know, and everyone listening, I break it down really simple for people. I don't know. It's just my gift. People have said, Jerry, you can break it down where I can get my mind around it. I know that if I break it down really simple for people, then what I know is they can grasp onto it and they can use it. Because if I can't make it where somebody can make it you know, usable in their own mind and understand it, then it's of no value. So definitely, you know, I'm not a panderer, as you know, and I'm not an aggressive self-promoter. However, I know the content that I put out, I've done it long enough, literally makes a difference in people's lives. And more than anything, we'll finish up here, but you hear me constantly say is stop thinking. And then a big one is this, and I'm going to do actually a live on it this week. People hear it, but they don't get it. And nothing has any meaning except the meaning that I give it. And look how much meaning people put on things, and especially in your profession, and they take something and they put an interpretation and a meaning on it, and people carry that for weeks and months and years, and it's nothing more than an interpretation that you made. And you know what? If that's not working for you and it's robbing your power, then you know what you do? You put a new interpretation on it that does work for you. Yes. People don't recognize they can put new interpretations on things. Yes. Oh, thank you so much, Jim. I'm going to link to everything. And, you know, I can't say enough good things about you because I noticed a huge shift just when I started in February, just being with you for a couple months in this program. And the people who are drawn to your program are people who have amazing hearts. So, I mean, you know, (laughs) because these people are amazing. Yeah. And so I encourage anybody who's listening to this to go to jimborton.com. I'm going to link to everything in the show notes. So I'll also have a link to that. And so that way you have everything in one place. And just for fun, if anyone listening now ever is thinking about going into coaching with me later, you can verify this because I will shut it down very quickly. No control freaks allowed. OMG. If you are a control freak, we will bust you out of that behavior because it serves no one. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm very grateful. And for everybody watching and listening, thank you so much. Take what you've learned here between the two of us and get results. Yes. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you're ready to make some big shifts, there's a few things you can do right now to get started. First, go to the show notes at dinacataldo.com forward slash 26 to get Jim's free master thought formula. Two, you can also get the links to all the things we talked about at that same place, dinacataldo.com forward slash 26. And three, I'm also including a link to free meditations if you want to dip your toe and see what's out there. It's a five pack of different meditations to get an idea of the different kinds of meditations. And if you're just starting out, this is a great place to start. I'd love to hear your takeaways from today's episode. DM me on Instagram at dina.cataldo or let me know your thoughts in the Soul Roadmap Facebook group. Thanks for joining me today and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Soul Roadmap. If you have a moment, I'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe, rate, and left an honest review on iTunes. I read every single review, so let me know what you want to hear more or less of, and I'll talk to you next week.